Guys, Happy New Year. And Wes said it well. Uh, This past year, for many, has been a difficult time. It's been a difficult year for a lot of folks. And even if you aren't personally aware of what someone's going through, social media has breathed much into the cyber sphere, so to speak. So you can see people's frustrations or their anger or their pain pretty easily a lot of times. Think about all that's happened this year. Regardless of what side of this position you're on, the election was pretty volatile. It was ugly. It was painful. It exposed a lot of things in us as a country. We had a lot of people who were unemployed, trying to find jobs and weren't able to. We have college graduates, don't, get, don't freak out. People who were graduating, unable to get jobs. Getting stressed about it. Then you've got things like, I mean, the amount of celebrity deaths in 2016. It was one for the ages, wasn't it? Whether it was Prince, George Michael, Carrie Fisher, Debbie Reynolds, David Bowie. It was a, it was a year, and I don't say this like, wow, look at this. No, it was, it was a hard year for a lot of people. But here's what I want to do for us this morning, because I want to shift from that for just a second. Because one of the postures that, that's popular, and you can again see on social media, is 2016 good riddance. Glad for you to be gone. Glad for you to be behind us. And I understand the sentiment. I get it. But here's what I want to caution us against, is just trying to delete 2016 from the books, so to speak. As if it just, let's just forget that it happened. Because if we forget that it happened, we won't actually be able to grow from it. God won't actually be able to produce anything fresh and new in our hearts from a year that might have been particularly tough. Or maybe, by the way, it was a banner year for you, and you don't want to forget it. Well, don't. You shouldn't. It's awesome. And so I want to remind us to get back to uh, this idea of celebrating what God is doing, even if you don't see it with your very eyes. You've got to have this, this big magical word that we call faith. And so here's the other thing. I posted it on social media. Yes, I did. Is that if you want to experience something new this year, you've got to do something new this year. Meaning if you want to encounter God in a new way, you've got to pursue God in a new way. I don't want to just forget the past 12 months, especially if they were tough, because I want to grow from them. I don't want to just continue to repeat the manner in which I was living and the disposition of my heart. I want to grow in relationship with God as a husband, as a pastor, as a friend. You name it. You guys with me today? Tracking with me? Awesome. So here's what we're going to do. I have like 9,000 things up here, so give me just one one second. Wes, I'm taking over your keyboard. Here's what I want you to do. Turn to Mark chapter 10. There's something about a new year starting. 
where you feel fresh. You get a fresh start. I don't know if it's just particularly as a parent, but there is something about uh, being in a home with children that makes me just want to clean the house out come January 1st, really even a little bit before that. You know, the, the kids get presents from every human being, it feels like, that's ever walked the planet Earth. And so you want to get rid of or give away or donate or bless or do something. You want to purge and get ready for the year that's in front of you. You're getting back to the basics and you're trying to simplify your life. Which is why if you look at Walmart and you look at Target, what are they running specials on right now? Storage containers. They're smart. They know how you feel. You feel like my life has been spinning out of control and I just want some organization to it. I want to bring some control back into my life and have a semblance of things kind of being organized and orderly and I can breathe again. The junk drawer is organized. The kitchen table is no longer stacked high with papers and bills and stuff. Kids' rooms are clean. Toys have a home. I'm venting now. (laughs) Right? So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to take spiritual inventory, and we're going to clean house. And we're going to have a moment here as we partake in communion at the end of service where we just get back to what we know is true and what we know is simple, that which is most foundational. We get back to the basics to prepare ourselves for the year ahead. We call those things foundations, foundations of the faith. And the very one we're talking about today as we set up this series that we're going to start next week is the most simple thing and yet confounding thing. It's this thing we call faith. Faith. So my question to you is, how's your faith? Where's your faith today? How are you using your faith? January 1st, 2017. Hold on to that thought as we read Matthew 10, 46 through 52. This is not, by the way, I'm going to preface this. This is not your typical New Year's passage. I realize that. We're going to pull some things out of it that are going to make a lot of sense for us in the coming months. They came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples... Together with a large crowd, we're leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him, told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. 
The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Love this story of my man Bartimaeus. His name literally means son of Timaeus. Bar, which means son of, and his name Timaeus, son of Timaeus. The word Timaeus means valuable one, valued. Not the kind of value that you get because because something has significant purpose and you use it a lot. It just simply has value, almost like that heirloom or something that maybe another person wouldn't value, but you do because it's special to you. That's what his name means. Valued. Intrinsic value. It's special. And here is this special man, the, the valued one, sitting on the side of the road. He's, he's blind. He's in his spot begging. And he's crying out, shouting out for Jesus. Have mercy, son of David. I know you're there. I hear you. I've heard the people talking about you. I know you're around. Have mercy on me. He's using his faith. And so my question again for you today is this. What are you using your faith for? Think about it. Some of you are bothered by this question, and I'm glad. Because for many of us, if you've, especially if you've grown up going to church, you have enough faith to basically become a Christian. You put your faith in Jesus, you get baptized, and you begin walking with Him and having a relationship with Him. But then, faith outside of that, it almost becomes the, the Christmas present that you open and you love, it's amazing, but you think to yourself, I'm probably never going to use that. Or that thing, that, that is a beautiful shirt that I am never going to wear. And it hangs in your closet. You value it because someone gave it to you, but it never has actual use and purpose in your life. You with me today? What are you using your faith for? Because Jesus, when you read the scriptures, faith is far more than this little moment where you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, even though that is true and valid and necessary and life-changing. Outside of that, what are you using your faith for? What need do you have? What are you asking God of? What are you crying out to Him for? What are you desperate to get his attention about? I love what we see in Bartimaeus. The truth is, if you've been to a life group or you've been around Christians and you have somebody that wants to pray for you, you know how this goes. Hey, hey, what can we be praying about? How can we pray for you? And you're thinking to yourself, well, I don't really have anything to pray about, but but I'll, I'll give you something. 
You know, it's kind of like the, it's like the nice prayer request to make everybody feel better. Who wants to pray for you? You're just going to throw one out there. But the truth is you're going to leave that room or leave that group of people and you're not even praying about it yourself. It's not something you really care about. It's just kind of the, 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 the obligatory prayer request that Christians pass out to one another. Hey, how can I be praying for you? Well, you know, you can be, you can be praying for the church. Uh, you can be praying for my job. You know, it'd be great. Uh, pay raise would be awesome. You know, I'd love to get a bonus. Uh, I can pray for my kids. Be great. Um, but are you really praying for those things? Are you really saying, God, creator of the heaven and earth, I need your strength and power in this situation? Are you? Probably not. But here's what I want to invite you to do today. is to do that very thing. Because what what we have done in our cushy lives, and yes, I'm generalizing. I know not everybody has a cushy life, but in retrospect to the rest of this planet, we do. And when we are really scratching our head as to what the God of the universe can do in our lives, and we can't think of anything, We're not hungry for him to alter something, to move something, to bring light to our heart, to change a sinful disposition in our heart for our neighbor who doesn't know Jesus to come to faith. That God, that you would bless the people around me, that you would change the heart of my child, that God, that you would do this and that you would do that. God, outside of you doing it, it will never happen. And I'm hungry and desperate for you to do it. When we have nothing that falls into that category, you know what that tells us? We don't really need a God to move in God-like ways. We're good. Got this. Thanks for saving me. I got it from here. And that's how many of us live our lives day to day. And today... January 1st, 2017, I'm inviting you to once again be desperate for more of God, to be hungry for more of him, to be bothered that you don't have this particular aspect of God alive and thriving in your life, that you would find unrest that someone you know doesn't know Jesus Christ that someone you work with is going through a hard time or their marriage is, is, is on the verge of crumbling, that you would be the kind of person who is willing to man your post on the street corner, so to speak, and begin to shout for God's attention, to begin to cry out to get God's ear, to be hungry and desperate that this God would hear your prayer. We need that. Because if you're like me, it's simple to become comfortable and to take it from here. Oh, I'll grow the church myself. My business that I've got, you know what? I got this, God. I can do this. 
You know, I'm going to go to all these networking things, and I've got the best strategy and the best plan, but am I actually praying about it? Am I fasting about it? And I'm asking for you, God, and your presence and your power to really be the formative nature of this thing. God, I have to have you. We overestimate our ability, and we underestimate his willingness. I do it all the time. I'll give you an example here. Can you hand me those? Honey. Now, I know some of you are going to charge the stage right now to try to get some of these. These are Pop-Tarts. And in case you're mistaken, these are a gift from God. Okay? Now, our children do not get Pop-Tarts all the time. But you know what happened when they went to Papa and Gigi's house this Christmas? Oh, they had Pop-Tarts. And if you've never had a Pop-Tart and then you have your first Pop-Tart, you're like, what is this amazing breakfast delicacy? Okay? This fine dining if you're a child. You know it's true. You can eat them hot out of the toaster or you can eat them straight out of the package. It's a, it's, a, it's a miracle. It truly is extraordinary. And so my second to youngest, who's Morgan, his name is Morgan, he's three years old. He had a Pop-Tart. And it was game on. Brown sugar Pop-Tart. Cinnamon. Ooh. Just, just take a moment. Let that, let that in for a minute. <laughs> Everybody's talking because you know it's true. Well, you hear this. Now, it was, it was around Christmas. There were still church things that I was thinking about, planning for 2017 in my mind. I'm in the kitchen by myself at Pawpaw and Gigi's house, and Morgan comes sprinting around the corner, and what does he want? Well, it's a Pop-Tart. Except he doesn't call them Pop-Tarts. They're Pop-Tots. Pop-Tots. Can I have a Pop-Tot? You know, kind of a thing. It's actually very cute. Pop-Tot. Can I have a Pop-Tot? And so I'm sitting there, and if, you have, if you've ever been in the zone, and as a parent, there comes a time where you just simply do not have the brain power to satisfy simple requests from your child. You just don't have it. You can't even entertain this question of, of a breakfast food for lunch or whatever. You just, you just aren't there. And so I'm standing there, and he's asking me, Dad, can I have a pop toy? And I say, uh, Morgan, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's a classic move. So I don't know, and I, begin, and I continue to think. And he's just standing there. Dad. Dad. Can I have, can I have a Pop-Tart? Uh, Morgan, I, you know what? Give me a couple seconds. Dad. Can I have a Pop-Tart? Morgan, give me a moment. I've got, I'm, I'm thinking about things. Okay. Dad, it's the moment now. 
can I have a Pop-Tot? And you, you can get the question only so many times. And you just, you, you, you hit capacity and you're just, you know, you, you, you just kind of open a box and you're like, for the love of everything holy. Like, if you're hearing me, you just, you know, you just, that was a nice grab. You just become frenzied with just anything for you to be quiet. I will, I will glasso the moon and give it to you in this moment. Yes, you can have a Pop-Tart. You can have anything. Just stop asking me questions right now. now I want you to hear this. Because there are so many lessons you hear, you get from your child. Because Morgan, my second to youngest, he understands something. He understands that dad is the one who has the power and strength to give him what he wants and what he so desperately thinks that he needs. And he is unwilling to let go of asking the one who he knows has the ability to move and give him that very thing that he desires and so desperately thinks that he needs. He's going to continue asking. He's going to continue asking. He's going to continue asking. And he's going, he's going to become the guy on the street. And what was the guy on the street? What did the, what did the scripture say he was doing? He was bothering the people around him. So much so that they said, be for the love. Shut it down, man. Be quiet. And they rebuked him. And they told him to be quiet, to stop asking. And what did he do? He just amped it up another notch. Which is exactly what a child does. And what does Jesus remind us regarding children? But to have childlike faith. That you would ask. And that you would keep asking. And that you would keep coming and that you would almost have an obnoxious, almost an annoying faith. And that you would be like a bulldog who just is unwilling to let go. I want that as my faith in 2017. And I am determined and convicted, might I add, to continue growing in my faith, that this would be the very characteristic that defines me. I love this. <clears throat> Why aren't we asking God of great things? Why aren't we asking him to move powerfully? Why aren't we asking him to heal? Why aren't we asking him to save and to change hearts and to build companies and to give you raises and to bless you financially and to be the God that he is who is good and kind and merciful like a good father who gives his son a Pop-Tart, a Pop-Twat? Well, we don't have time. Right? We don't have time to pray, ask God of things. I mean, social media needs me. It, Facebook needs me right now. And the average American spends 140 minutes 
on social networks every single day. Whether it's for work, whether it's personal. And you just think about it. I'm not going to expose anybody here. You wake up in the morning. It's one of the first things oftentimes that people do just to kind of shake the dust off, get ready for the day. Well, then you have to use the restroom at some point during the day. And well, a lot of people take their phone in the restroom. What do you do? Well, you're on the phone. Two birds with one stone. Nailed it. That's what people do. And so you're racking up minutes in the restroom, in your bed, at the dinner table, uh, when you're eating lunch, by yourself, at work, up to, on average, 140 minutes between Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And in case you're hearing me just condemn social media, I'm not. I'm on social media all the time. I use it. It has value, but one of the things that social media will do for us is it will be the greatest qualifying factor when we stand before Jesus and we say, we didn't have time. Social media will be our greatest condemnation for time wastage. Ten minutes here, 15 minutes there. 45 minutes there, an hour here. And what are we doing? Half the time, nothing. And if we just took 15 of those minutes and said, God, I am pursuing you. What would that do in your life? What would that do in the person's life that you're praying for? What would that do in your child's life? What, what about the condition of your home? What about your roommates? What about your employees? What about the quality of your marriage? If you just amped up and spent a little bit more time praying to God and asking God and using your faith and being hungry for more of him in your heart and in your house. I've got to think be pretty powerful. Call me crazy. Well, we don't need anything. That's one of the other reasons why we don't pray, because we don't need God to move. If that is truly the disposition of your heart, then you share something, and I share something with Bartimaeus, and that we are truly blind. If you're looking at your own life, and you can't see that there's room to grow and room to ask God to help you, then there's blindness at work. And sometimes it takes a moment like this for a mirror to be put in front of your face to get you convicted and desperate before a holy God. Sometimes we don't care. We just don't care. We don't care about the conditions of the people around us. We don't care about, about our marriage. Sometimes we just don't. Sometimes we don't care about the children or the, the this or the that. We just don't care. And here is what I'm asking us to do. is to have a heart that's repentant and a heart that's humble and a heart that is hungry for God to move powerfully to use our faith.
you want to encounter God like never before, you need to pray to God like never before. This message is designed to set up what is coming in a week. And that's this. It's my invitation to you to pray and to get hungry for God. I love this about Timaeus. His name means valued one. I'm going to wrap with this as we begin to get ready for communion. In fact, worship team, you can begin to make your way to the stage uh, as we prepare for the uh, communion song and just start the year out right, might I add. Timaeus means valued. And yet, isn't it interesting that if you're blind, if you don't know much about the culture at the time, you would have been, first off, for you to be blind, it would have been considered your fault. More often than not, it would have been your sin that was the reason for your blindness in the first place. And so for you to be a beggar on the side of the street, you were, you were trash. You were, you were below trash. You were a, a nothing, okay? And so for you to have any possession of any kind would have been significant. And I love the fact that blind Bartimaeus, who is crying out to God, who is shouting out to get his attention, and Jesus says, basically, come, Hey, you guys, go get him. And what is it that Bartimaeus does? It says he gets to his feet and he leaves behind his cloak. That very thing, probably one of the only possessions that he would have had, that would have had any value to it. And he leaves it behind to get to the very one who had true value. And I read that praying through that, feeling convicted over that. Here is Bartimaeus trying to learn and receive from the Holy Spirit about faith. Here's a guy who needs more of God, who has very little, and the most natural thing for you to do is to hold on to everything you've got. And yet the very thing that he does is he lets go of the thing that actually doesn't have much value. Value of a possession to spend time with the value of a person. Value of Jesus. Value of his presence. There are things in your life, in my life, that have a measure of value to us. They're important to us. But I want you to hear this. They are not in light of God's presence. They're not in light of this Jesus who has the ability to move. Does social media have significance in your life? Sure. Guess what it doesn't? It doesn't in light of your need for more of God and your need to pray. Does, does, do, do you need more of God today? Do you need to use your faith today? Do you need to trust him today? The answer is yes. And there might be some things you need to leave behind in order to go 
and spend time with him every single day. When you wake up, And be further changed by him. If we will do that, church, you're going to have a 2017 like you've never had. And you're going to have a year like you've never had. Of God moving powerfully. Of God changing you. Of God making you new. Of God bringing life to you your scenarios, your situations, your circumstances. You got to care. You got to need them. You got to want more.